0: Welcome to the Beer and Gear Podcast with Chris Taylor.
1: All right, welcome to this week's podcast and I've been looking forward to this one for a while. And he's not going to yeah. like the fact that I've, I've just said that. But I've finally got Simon Farmery on the podcast. How you doing, buddy? You are right,
0: Very good, sir. I have a Wisconsin beer, so I'm raring for some yeah, chat. I'm, <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm, I'm actually beerless because by the time we figured out we were doing this tonight, literally the, the top shop had shut. And because we're like in lockdown, we, I'm literally stuck to go into the shop that's 200 yards up the road. But when that's shut, I've got nothing to live in a little village. so <laughs> We give I. We don't even get we're Just, just easier Here, man. We, we get the adverts all the time, but it's pointless because, like, we don't live in a delivery area, so... Ah, <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah,
0: we were we were lucky in the sense of living in Wisconsin. Um, Off-licenses or liquor stores are classed as essential, so they've been <laughs> opened well, non-stop.
1: That's, that's the same here, but, like, which we don't... We, the nearest 24-hour supermarket, let's say, is 15 miles away. And... Um, oh and things like that we're literally in this in the sticks and it's it's got its benefits because it's a it's a great place to live if you're like saying lockdown so many people have taken up walking and literally been going up the fields and doing this and going up the hills and that kind of stuff because we do live in the middle of the green stuff you know it's 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 great but if you want like a kfc good luck with that (laughs) you know (laughs) That sucks. <laughs> a little bit, a little, little bit. So how's life been? By the way, we haven't actually said where you're actually where you're actually coming in from now. Because oh, it, yes. I, I've got another English bloke in the USA here, haven't I? So uh, yeah, yeah,
0: English bloke in the USA. I actually live in where Les Paul was born, Walkershaw, Wisconsin.
1: All right, OK. So you get some crazy weather differences there then.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we always say it's just a flick of a switch. It changes, and it happened last week, I think. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook. Monday it was snowing and by the weekend I was in shorts again. So it's um yeah, it's like what it used to be when you we were growing up, where you had four seasons yeah. basically. Yeah. Where yeah. you could <laughs> we you have
1: your We just yeah, your... get we just literally get 12 months of March at the moment over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we this it's just started
0: to warm up now, so it's just sort of I can hear the golf club starting to rustle in the basement. So <laughs> get on. Start hitting some balls around. But yeah, it's it's good. I love it over here, actually. it's reminds me a lot of down south, you know, where I where I kind of grew up in Sussex. It's kind of, in fact, the town just up the road is called Sussex, which is really weird. That's bad. Well, it's just a weird thing to, <laughs> you know, to move 4,000 miles and then end up in a town, just near a town called Sussex again. But um, yeah, it's just really cool. Really laid back and... I can walk to the pub, but I can also walk to the park and it's just really nice. Love it over here.
1: Well, we we've can, we, 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 we can walk to the pub. It's just that pubs aren't allowed to open at the moment around here. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're keeping up with the UK news, but I was talking to Chris about it the other week. It was literally, the, the rule at the moment is on the 12th of o- April, the pubs can open, but you can't go inside. So they're, they're allowed to, they're allowing the pubs to open, but serve outside only in April. So basically, as you know, with English weather, if you want to plan your week, if you want to go out for a couple of pints, you better make it between sort of six and eight before it gets too cold, unless it's raining. <laughs> you know, they've really thought this through, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, but on my birthday, on May the seventeenth, if August to plan, um, they're going to go back to places can open, but only table service. So it's be the same as before, where you know you sit at your table yeah. in your in your group of maximum six and um, you, you, when you stand up, you've got to put your mask on. So every time you go to the toilet, you've got to put your mask on to basically travel within the pub. But you can sit there and have a have a few pints. And uh, in June, gotcha. in June, okay. apparently, it's all going to be back to normal. But that's all based on well they keep saying: data, not dates. So it's basically giving you a bit of a. You know, stand on the line to make sure that the the British public and put the faith in the British public to toe the line and be nice and good, which ain't going to work, is it? Let's be honest. (laughs) This would have been over like
0: six months ago if it was (laughs) going to be that case. So are they doing anything regarding, because over here now, if you're fully vaccinated, you can hang out with other people that are fully vaccinated.
1: Um, The latest on that was because they're they're rolling the vaccines out at the moment. At the moment, we're on the part where like everyone over over 50 now, it's gone down in decades, basically. It's got the point now where people are getting the the letters through to go that if you're 50 to 60, you can go and get vaccinated. Or if you want to go on the NHS website, if you literally qualify, if you don't get the letter, you can basically go on and they'll say, okay, you can come and get yours done at whatever station um i've not been called yet because i'm in the 40 age band which hasn't been called through yet but i reckon in a few weeks i could probably book one the way it's looking like that um that's cool but uh yeah it's like um if you've got underlying health conditions people have been done that are younger than me and stuff like that which is which is cool but i know they did a thing yesterday where they hinted at it boris johnson kind of hinted at the facts he got asked the question about pubs and stuff and they kind of put through a thing saying well not confirmed, but like pubs have got the right to bar people that have either refused a vaccination or haven't had one. Wow. Because we still have, a, we have a, a, a literally a ton of people who still think that it's all um conspiracy and they're not going to get vaccinated. But this vaccine passport thing is going to make that life difficult for people like that. And they're not going to be able to go to festivals. They're not going to go to gigs. They're not going to go to the pub and they're not going to get on a plane so <laughs> that's
0: it's all sounding a little bit russia isn't it
1: <laughs> well yeah it's it's one of those isn't it? it's where you sit on it do you do you, you everyone's got their views on stuff and i get that but if you don't go with the flow you're literally not going to be able to do anything right? so i mean that's, i mean that's, it that's how it is every year. west on lockdown until well monday um some laws lift a little bit in terms of we're allowed back to the the rule of six basically so you can now have up okay Six people in your garden, or you can meet up with six people. Um, but shops and pubs and that are still another month off being being. Well, April the twelfth, they're supposed to be able to open. You know things like that. So it's wow. I mean, we've started to get That's crazy with, with the band. We've started to get bookings through now for end of June because twenty first, twenty second of June is supposed to be the date where all restrictions are dropped if everything goes well. So I've I've been quite happy with the fact we've been getting contacted by different venues saying okay we, we want entertainment we want you to play because i thought it was going to take like ages to get back to a point where venues that haven't been earning um would literally want to book anything but i suppose they've got a, the ones that are like know what made them money before they know that if they put entertainment on they're going to get a busy night which turns into more money and you know they're, they're doing it that way so i, wow. I mean what's it like where you are i mean chris told me like the, the other week literally it's different from you can drive up the road and it's completely different rules to what, to what, you know, it's, it's nuts. I'd say probably, I mean, there's still there's
0: still uh, bands playing in pubs. Um, there's still jam nights uh, going on again. So it's kind of, yeah, there's like, there's still shows happening. It's just obviously restricted amount of people in there. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, yeah, there's still bands playing. I say still, they're back playing because obviously they weren't for a while. You know we only um yeah because it locked down like properly locked down this it was too i don't to, you know i can't even vote here so politics is irrelevant for me really um but it got very political in wisconsin as soon as um the governor would try and do something then he'd get taken to the supreme court and it get overturned and there was this constant battle to and fro so i think we were only locked down for a total here in wisconsin for about six weeks Right. Uh, started to lift and stuff but yeah it's um we have the mask mandate you can't go into shops people do though you know and it's um oh when in when you know grocery shopping there was at least five or six people in there that didn't have one on and no one said anything it's like they weren't stopped going in but yeah it's um yeah it's crazy well that's similar so,
1: to that's similar to over here because now now it took a bunch of the big supermarkets basically to put a thing in saying so no no masks, no entry but for the first, let's say, eight months of it, it'd say on the front, you know, mask needed to go in. But because there was no sort of law behind it, and I know a few people that do work in supermarkets were literally told, if someone goes in there without a mask, don't challenge them. Because they wow. literally want those people to go in, buy what they want to buy and piss off, basically. But yeah. Don't, don't challenge them. Because if you challenge them and get into a massive argument, that's taken away from your productivity and what you're supposed to be doing with putting stuff on. You know I mean? It was literally... But then I think Sainsbury's and Tesco were the first ones. They literally just went right. Okay, no mask, no entry. You know, if you right. if you if, if you don't if you're clinically um, have a clinical reason to not wear a mask, send somebody else to do your shopping. You know, that yeah. Kind of thing. Right. <laughs> but it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's it is, crazy. and I think we were talking about it just
0: before we started, which was, it's just weird that this is something that's affecting the entire world. You know, we were saying before it's like you know. It's very rare for something to, you know, normally it's like, you know, like I was saying before, you have a tsunami somewhere. It's, oh my God, it's terrible for those people. But it's like, this is the first time in our lifetime, especially that it's something that's affected everybody. Literally everybody, you know, has been affected by this. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Man. But, well, well, fingers crossed, man. We're getting towards the end of it
0: soon. Yeah, yeah we kind of not spend the first 10 minutes not even talking about music
1: (laughs) you you gotta get out of the way because like i said this is going to be a time stamp in life because i'm going to look back at these recordings in a couple of years time and be like man this is you know you know those 20 or so podcasts i did it's literally a thing that's happening that's affected everybody i'm talking to musicians that can't gig i'm talking to people that can't work i'm talking to people that are trying to do different things to be creative in the house like i've been doing you know it's like it's it's nuts I mean, if it wasn't for Amazon, I would have saved thousands last year. Well, the thing is, like, when it is all open, I'm going to be the one walking around the shopping centre like Stevie Wonder not knowing what to do. It was like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, it's just, I think the weirdest part is obviously, you know, it's, I'm, I'm always one of those one that kind of awkwardly smiles when I'm in a supermarket, and obviously with a mask on, you can't
1: I'm the see. same. I'm the same. I'm literally letting people pass me and being like, thinking what I can't even see my face man faster like... <laughs> you know because you're actually like you know hi or you know <laughs> and you like
0: I don't know I tend to be quite quiet and smile a lot because otherwise it takes me seven hours to go shopping anywhere because as soon as I open my mouth oh where are you from are you from Australia or yeah you know and that crap starts so I tend to just kind of smile and get on with my crap but, um, yeah, yeah. It, everyone probably just thinks I'm really miserable <laughs> and don't'
1: talk oh. really well. Well, yeah. let, let, let's go back a bit then. So taking it back from wh- where you are now in the States, um, where did it all start for you, man? Where did, where did it all start? Where did you figure out that you wanted to play four strings rather than six? You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: uh, I have props ready. I'm prepared. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, even though it was really short notice on my part, this has nothing to do with you, obviously. It was all my, oh, we should do that tonight. That'd be fun. Um, this is what started me. This little thing, nice. My uncle gave that to me. It's an original 1982 picture disc, a number of the beast. He gave me that to me when I was six, believe it or not. And it scared the shit out of me because <laughs> of the picture of Eddie on there and stuff. And I was like, scared crap you But that started my love affair with Iron Maiden. And then what was it when it had been? Yeah, 13. I'd moved a little bit around the south coast. And me and my cousin Lee was like, I oh, wish definitely start doing this band thing. It'd be a really good idea. And he'd always wanted to do drums. And it was just obviously listening to Maiden a lot. And then my dad being a drummer and my uncle being a guitarist, I didn't want to take sides that way either. Um, and yeah, just listening to loads of Maiden and that, yeah, bass was just, I don't know, there's just something about it, just something that grabbed me. And that was it from, yeah, from 13. Good Lord, for a lot of my early playing, all I did was, prop number two, <laughs> was come home and play this record and play along with it. Nice. I played it to death. I don't even know if it still will play. It's that burnt out. But yeah, this this record. Has, and then I suddenly hit that point where I was like, holy crap, if I don't start broadening my horizons here, I'm just going to be another Steve Harris. So that's when I I actually went really, really left wing, started listening to lots of jazz and funk and bass players like Randy Coven and um, just real off the wall stuff. And yeah, I spent like a year just sitting there with the metronome laying out of the funk stuff just to try and break out of that heavy metal genre. Yeah, and then that was it really, just a lot of cover bands, with a stay with my cousin Lee, we got a lot of cover bands together and gosh, i really, yeah, crazy, <laughs> so I wouldn't say horrific, but bad, bad names if you're trying to do anything on a public side. So I think my first kind of big cover band was called Alien Bitch.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which was great.
0: However, uh, I think there's a I think there might be a recording of a show somewhere that I'll, don't worry I'll send about, you don't, privately. Don't, don't,
1: don't worry about that name. I've been in a band called Spam Javelin before. Spam <laughs> Okay, you might have beat me on that one. <laughs> yeah, we did a With Alien
0: Bitch, we did a gig for the local mayor and they made us just go on as Alien.
1: <laughs> they said our name was too offensive, which was kind of funny. I did a gig with a band I used to have. It was a jam band from a pub, and we called ourselves the Wafty Grankers, right? And <laughs> we, we played a charity festival the once. and Bridge North Journal, the biggest paper from like within the next, the next like next seven miles from around to the nearest town, wouldn't put a name in it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> they were like, well, it's obvious you're trying to say something else. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What's it? Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah,
0: it's just... What was your first bass? Oh, funny enough, um, Chris mentioned the brand, actually. I had a Marlin Sidewinder jazz bass, red, which is crazy, because he had a red strap. This is why, first time I met Chris, and we'll get into that story, but, yeah, I had a Marlin Sidewinder jazz bass, red with a white pickguard, 99 quid from Drum & Strum was the name of the shop in East, East Worthing. And uh, same place where Lee got his first kit, which I think he still has. his Red Premier. But yeah, that was it. buck, hundred bu- 100 bucks, listen to me. hundred quid for my first. And that was it. That was the start of it all. I've got photos of it. So I'm one of those horrible people that regret selling my first couple of bases. But back then I was, you know, I was like 13, 14 doing a paper round. So it's not like I could afford to keep them so i had to kind of potentially trade them in or sell them to get my next you know the next level of bases and was kind of slowly chipping my way until kind of went to the crossroads to get my first warwick and so my soul and everything i had to get my first warwick but yeah it was um yeah that base was bad and I, remember, I had one lesson one lesson from john de la petra i think his name was uh guitarist I remember being really scared to even want to touch the tuning pegs because I didn't know if I was going to put it out of tune or do something wrong. And then had that one lesson, and then just I don't know, just weird. I just got a love affair of records and a record player, and just my ear and just playing along to records and
1: learning. You know, put another record on and just doing it that way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because that's 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 the way I learned, and it's and it, it's helped me out more than anything, really. I mean, I'd love to be at a like read music and be able to sight read and all that kind of stuff but i love just literally grabbing a song and going like grabbing a guitar and be like yeah okay got it you know. yeah
0: and it's, it's just i mean it's just more organic i don't know i mean obviously this day and age if you're rushing to learn a song you just youtube it you know a uh, bass cover off da, 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 and you see someone sitting there playing it okay that's how it goes you know if you've got like half an hour before you know and yeah. oh we're gonna do for a lot
1: you're the same as me then you're more of a like nowadays i find myself because i do have to do that kind of thing and it's like i'm a very visual learner rather than sit there now i'll literally watch someone do a cover it i'll literally absorb that video for that five minutes on then i'll be like good got it (laughs) yeah
0: that's it. if i've got a really short window um i do like still to sit down and and play a lot you know and try and physically learn it but obviously from growing up everything's kind of changed when it comes to tuning you the biggest one for me is i will usually go on to some form of tab to at least get an idea of what key it's in because obviously nowadays with all the drop drop tunings you know back in my day being an old fart it was more just e <laughs> and e and e flat wasn't it that was it e and e
1: flat yeah you know you'd learn that fairly quick you know which tuning it was in you know, Why? why is, why aren't I in tune with aptitude destruction there's something wrong here the tab book says it's in e <laughs> it's not <laughs> um so it was kind of I
0: don't know. Yeah, it was just there was some really good feeling about just having a really loud, I hated it when I was at home, really loud stereo at home and just blasting music. And I would uh, you know, cycle back from my, my job after school, cycle back on my lunch break, make some super noodles and take them upstairs and just literally put the record on, scoff them down and play bass for like 40 minutes and then cycle back to my job. That's pretty much was the early years of me playing bass i did that non-stop it was just that was it yeah it was crazy and it was um yeah crazy to think i've been playing yeah 30 years this month
1: that we're in march right yeah we're in march yeah i'm up to 26 this year should be better than we should both be better than we are really now without many that many years yeah (laughs) stuff gets in the way doesn't it at least i've got an excuse of being old it's like yeah, I probably
0: could be better. Well, I was saying, obviously, you know, it, there's players out there that are still incredible, you know, in, you know, a generation of me. But, yeah, it's one of those things where I think we kind of hit that point where, you know, the whole internet and kind of changed the whole music industry where you can't just uh, do a record and then go out and play and, and build a following. You know, the old school way of being a famous band is nowhere near what happens yeah. this day and age so it's kind of it's difficult they will say um what's the old saying how to make a million dollars in music is start with two <laughs> so. oh, yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah it's slightly different now I mean, it's like even from the from the, the learning point of view now it's like you you look at it and you can you can put yourself a nice little cover-up that you're proud of and there's some eight-year-old kid from taiwan just kicking your ass on YouTube <laughs> yeah. and it's like, okay you know yeah Yes, yeah. Or you can hone your craft and spend lots of time getting a perfect sound and, and recording something that you're really, really proud of, and you put it out. And literally, someone gets like a million more hits than you by farting on TikTok. You know what I mean? It's well, like it's yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just,
0: yeah, it's changed, which is is a shame. But it's, um, yeah, it's weird. I mean, obviously, my my whole the whole thing musically for me switched gear when my daughter was born. The whole kind of, I don't know, it's weird. I wouldn't say drive, that's not a right word. Priority shifted a little little bit. I mean, the hunger to play is still there, but it's just the case of my daughter and my wife and my world. And it's just, yeah, that whole thing just shifted a little bit. But now she's kind of, she starts school in September, which is insane. Um, Yeah, I'm biting and chomping at the bit to get back and uh, do some stuff. But then... The world shuts down. I'm like, okay, or <laughs> right, I can take a hint. I'll just sell everything a bit and be an old git talking about. the fact, well, I used to play.
1: Baseball. What a shit! No, you didn't, you know. But the, 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 this is the this is why I'm one, one of the main reason why I'm I'm doing this now was I wouldn't have thought to be doing sort of like a podcasting interview type thing before because every weekend I'd be gigging. Yeah. And in the week I'd be doing stuff at the pub or whatever like that, and doing and then suddenly it was like bang, okay, no gigs no pubs that kind of stuff's gone um what do i do um well i might be able to do at fun i started making music again which you said you know still haven't sent me that bass track for that song that was 28 songs ago but yeah <laughs> no, What's pretty really funny is i got it all got it all set up and
0: yeah i can't even remember the, I, I don't even have a decent excuse i'm shit there we go <laughs> I I, that was what it was i um I redid my hard drive and I got an update on my Cubase and I have got my dongle still were, and, um, and I just literally was sitting there going, okay, I've imported the track and like, I have done this, I have done this, used this system for so long and I'm literally trying to learn it and then Christ's life kind of That's takes right.
1: over. No we just, excuse. We just cracked on. We literally got into a thing where it's like we're doing one a week mm. and literally, it was, it was a fun way of working but now I listen back, I could make, I'm going to remaster them all. To, to, to put them all on whatever streaming platforms. There's a couple on the streaming platforms. But, but it was just fun to have that, right, it's, it's a task every week. You know, by, yep. month, by Tuesday, we have the vocals sent through, which we sing the sang on his phone and sent over like that on Gary's band. And I'm like, okay, turn it into a WAV. Okay, great, I've got the music done. Wednesday, we're doing this. Thursday, we're filming a video. Friday, it's out on Facebook. And that was our That's- thing every week. It was like, bang, bang, it was relentless. Like. Right. then that- now it's calmed down to a bit, it's like one every two or three weeks now, but because people are laid like, back into work and doing different things, different jobs, so, you know. That's
0: kind of the whole process with the Rubicon Cross stuff kind of first came about, because we were all over the place, and it took time with CJ's schedule to get stuff recorded, and Chris was flying, and we were all moving, obviously, in that point, me and Chris were in the process of coming to the States, and Some was recorded, some stuff was recorded in Brighton, some stuff was recorded here in Wisconsin. And then, good Lord, I'm trying to think where other stuff was done. Obviously Atlanta, where Chris was. So by the time we actually got the material together, it was like, good Lord, this sounds shit. (laughs) It It sounds from so many different parts of the world, which sounds crazy, but... And that's why we literally just went down to... Rick Beato's studio in Atlanta, and just re-recorded everything. I and mean, there was some stuff. There was some stuff I kept because I was doing. Because when I'd moved to Chicago, I was popping up. Because CJ used to live here in Wisconsin, I popped up to his house to do a lot of the bass stuff. And there was one bass line that we kept for the record, which was the one that was um, dedicated to Chris's dad. That um, that we did, and there was just it was just the moment when I recorded that was me and CJ just sat down in his studio, in his house, we read through the lyrics, cried like a couple of 14-year-old schoolgirls, and then I recorded the bass. And it was just one of those ones where I I said, I don't care if it's, you know, it wasn't out of time and shit, but it was like, it was when it came up and said, I'm not re-recording it, because there was just, feeling, you know, moment you can't recreate. And uh, yeah, so that one was the original tracking from up here. And it wasn't like, you know, CJ had a, a crappy setup. He has some an incredible Neve setup up here that's now in Florida. So it was, yeah, it was just one of those things where we just, yeah, read through it and recorded it, and it was just, yeah, one of those moments that we wanted to keep on the record. And I think I think CJ did all of his vocals
1: up here in Wisconsin. Right. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, I think, that, I think that record's brilliant. It was. It was fun because me.
0: The way that I tend to, um, I t- the way I tend to work with that stuff, I I really do my homework. I don't like studio. I'm not a big studio fan. I tend to more, I'm more geared towards live. But I will do my homework, so I'm able to then get into the studio and knock it out as quickly as I can and get out. Um, I think the first Pride record I did. I think it might have been the second one. The second Pride record. Sorry. The first one was a little bit different because it was on tape. But the second one, I did that in 14 hours, whole album done. And I want to say the Rubicon Cross, we've booked a weekend to do bass. And I did it in a day and a half. <laughs> and nice. then spent the time in Atlanta just chilling out <laughs> with Chris. Yeah. yeah. So those things I just like to. Pre production is king. And that's something I really, really enjoy. And that's one, one part that, The first Pride record, that beautiful word, um, that we uh, that we did was me and our drummer Rick. We used to rehearse on our own. We'd have pre-production stuff with the entire band, and then me and Rick would get together. And I'll never forget it. We were in um, a bar, and we recorded in uh, Genesis Studio in Liverpool, past room, yeah. And um, the first night we got there and loaded in, and obviously where everyone's excited, went down to the bars and and uh, started pounding out some drinks. It was a buy one, get two free or something. So I'm round and the bar just filled up with booze and everyone's like, oh my God. I looked at Rick and there was just this, which had, because we were obviously first in and we were crapping it anyway, because it's Genesis Studio. I mean, like we were in there with um, Coldplay, um, you know, where Simply Red recorded. Uh, There's some huge bands, but yeah, Coldplay were in there at the time. So we just went back and me and him went into the live room and there's the grand piano in the corner that Trouble was recorded on by Coldplay. And we set up and we jammed and literally played the entire record on our own in the studio. And it was just one of those moments like, holy crap, this is so cool. Um, yeah, and it's just there's that, that you kind of lose as well with the modern recording, you know, because yeah. um, you don't get... Because I've always, in fact, the first two... First two Pride records, uh, the Furion EP, I those I all I recorded, facing the drummer. So literally, we are tracking, and every hit he's hitting, I'm hitting, and it just locks in that it's you know the, that
1: it's the nuances and the feeling that you get from doing that, and I, it, it's much less sterile than just everybody tracking their things on their own. You yeah, know. yeah, it's different, and Pete Coleman amazing producer,
0: um, worked like Boston and ACDC, and we were crapping it, absolutely crapping it, never met him before. And he was, he's an absolute diamond, love him to bits. And he knew the studio really well. And the way that the, the room is obviously tuned, it's huge, massive, massive room, but the, he wasn't using um, any reverb or any studio reverbs he was putting mics in stone vocal rooms off the live room. So he'd set the kit up in front of this live room or like, you know, what they call a live room, it's where the vocals were going and it's all stone to get a natural reverb. And that was the reverb he got for the drums, for the records. Wow. And it was stuff like that, which was just, yeah, that first pride album is, yeah, is really, really something. And then the second one was when we went digital and it was uh. Past week was we were sport rotten. I mean, you're talking when was that recorded, 1998 or 99? And it was a thousand pounds a day without the producer then. Wow. And it was tight. I think we did the whole album in like two and a half weeks. And uh, yeah, it was just one of those experiences where, you know, you've got it's all well lit, you've got your own private kitchen your own movie theater behind. Uh, this is all in the Studio One and then upstairs is all your hotel rooms. So you're all staying in the same area. And that's when we burnt toast or in the morning, wasted, and set the fire alarm off to the whole building. <laughs> and everyone, get out, because we'd burnt toast, because we were too you know too broke to go, in, or too tight more than anything to go and buy, yeah, go and buy, uh, go and buy food. I think we're probably more scared about being in Liverpool at four in the
1: morning. (laughs) Yeah, probably, yeah. (laughs) Don't get get your slippers nicked.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we went from, yeah, sort of doing the first record there and then obviously the second one came about and it was a bit more constrained with the budget and it's a a name of the hotel, or it's a pub with rooms above, it's etched in my brain forever. And it's the Egerton Arms in Runcorn. And that's because that's the second record. And uh, our manager managed to get a deal with this guy. And the rooms were £8 a night. Wow. Um, there's a video somewhere of us walking through. It was brutal. Did you have
1: a leather Br- pillow? <laughs> What's that? Did you have a leather pillow?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. We had like two and a half channels on the TVs, half a toilet seat in the shared toilet in the hallway. I remember they, it was a pound a pint though. And I remember walking in, and uh, they had a swear jar, and I just immediately put a twenty in there because, you know, I can be like sometimes after a yeah. few beers. Yeah, yeah. The, the owner of the pub ended up getting really upset with us because we'd stay in there and literally we were the last people in. You'd know, be recording all day and then come home to the to the bar and drink and drink and drink and drink. And they'd set up this complimentary be- breakfast, which was basically um, oh, what do they call those little boxes of cereal we used to get as kids? You have rice krispies Frosties, and. The selection, you
1: get me? Like,
0: the selection box things, what they they? Yeah. Do? Oh, variety pack, variety pack, whatever it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So had a bunch of them and various like, yogurts and and we'd go in there and absolutely smash all the food before going to bed. So they'd think they'd set everything up for the night, you know, for the next morning.
1: Yeah.
0: We'd go in there and absolutely just... <laughs> 15 beers or whatever. And then go to bed. And then you know kind of come through sort of sneak through sheepishly in the morning to go to the studio again but yeah it was i felt bad for for chris and matt because again i was in and out i think last thing i was there for three days to do all the bass tracks they were there for a month right in particular pub and it was yeah. and the studio had no windows so you didn't Uh, know um, when what time it was or anything it was really tough uh, and as soon as I walked in, I was like, we were, you know, we usually walk in with like four or five crates of beer just to get the party rolling, as it were. And then uh I was like, oh my god, there's no windows in this place. Yeah, and it was that was a tough one. But yeah, yeah, that was the whole pride era. It was just uh oh, such a fun band, such a fun band. So
1: when did that when did that move on to Furyum?
0: Um, we've done the we did the second record. Um, I'm trying to think where it falls timeline wise so we'd done the first record and then the second record was the one we kind of toured a bit more which is where we met CJ so we're talking 2004 we did a big tour of Europe with those guys and that's how we ended up all all meeting the Firehouse guys because our our tour manager Kieran um, was a massive Firehouse fan and they hadn't played in the UK for like 10 years so he brought them over and obviously being involved with us, he put us on the tour. And um, yeah, that was how that kind of kind of came to an end there. It's just we could feel that was around the time where, you know, especially doing the shows we were doing, and it's no offense to the bands we were playing with because it was incredible bands, but it was like there's a band that's just released their second record trying to do this that was in a genre, they've been pigeonholed into a genre that was kind of doing this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we kind of hit. It was and it was, you know. Obviously, when you get a an EMI contract put in, put in front of you, you don't really give two shits about what the style of music is. But no, that's not true, really. You do, but it's like you don't even start thinking about, you know, where you're going to potentially be pigeonholed with what you're doing. Um, but yeah, we kind of could see that the the way the things were going, that we needed to kind of shift modernized a little bit and that's when furion came about and it just we just found a key that matt was kind of still comfortable with that didn't kind of feel too low or force him to move up at all and c just kind of sat really well and it's just it was such a cool tuning everyone was kind of i suppose what 2004 you mentioned with chris about that that corn kind of era where kind of really wanting to go super low Mm. Kind of E flat had been done to death, and D had a little bit with kind of Creed because most
1: the first yeah they did they they dropped D a lot and yeah you know so um yeah drop C was kind of
0: was where we felt sounded kind of heavy enough to be new kind of heavy but not kind of oh they're just playing in D like you know kind of so that was where it kind of kind of fell and. Yeah, we just kind of started jamming some stuff and that was, yeah, that was such a cool band. We did some really, really, really fun times. You know, I've been lucky enough to do tours on tour buses and and such, but the particular tour, I'm surprised Chris didn't mention it actually. Well, I'm not surprised Chris didn't mention it. We did a, a tour with an American band and it was, you know, I mean, you talk about shoestring budgets. It was pretty much zero and we just hired a, a rental van with all the gear in the back, and that's what we were sleeping in. You know, so there was like the band, so it was a, a four piece at the time, and uh, Lee, little man, and we took him because he had a disabled badge so he could park outside the venues and a and, a, and he had, yes, <laughs> and then uh, and our sound guy, and that was it. And after I've got videos, I've videoed a lot of that, and we played the Adelphi in Hull, like where Oasis first ever played, and I've got videos of us pulling up at that. So, have you ever been there before? No, I've not been there, no. It's basically a garage on the side of a terraced house in the middle of Hull. Oh, right. A graffitied garage, it's crazy, and we were expecting this like, really big, you know, because we'd all been hyped
1: up about it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that tour was just, oh my god. I've got a gig in hold in August. Really? I, think no, the, I mean that- I think I shared the the picture with her. We're headlining a festival in in August. Oh. Unfortunately, oh. unfortunately, it's the um, it's the Yorkshire Swingers Association Festival. Oh my! God,
0: you showed me that. That is insane. That is insane. Wow, that's desperation for a show. That is, but good luck.
1: It's good money, mate. <laughs> <It's> good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So this, around this period, then, when you when you doing Fury and that, that was probably around the same time that we first started like being friends, wasn't it? Because like that was it when was. you were you were at GAC and I was on the phone on the other end at, at Laney and Ibanez. at head start, wasn't I? You know,
0: that was when it was, yeah, because um, yeah, that that no, um, yeah, that might be when we first started talking because I know that um, Warwick, uh, I've been indo- lucky enough to be endorsed with Warwick since about ninety. 90- around that 99 time and um when they came out with their frameless line and they were really pushing it um a lot of big metal bands they kind of did the framers cobras they were really and they just loaded us up with equipment and uh it's funny because i can uh, it's i can show you videos when we went in and did uh the 32 hours ep for furion you know, we're trying to bring all this gear in and there's chris with his gh 100 <laughs> and yeah. He'd be like yeah we, we're using this stuff live but he was still using his old gh 100 laney head um in the studio with a tube screamer that was what it was and, I, and I, not, I don't even think it was an
1: 808 what's the one below 808 i'm not there was that there was the seven and there was the, the nine as well the... But um yeah, so because obviously they only had
0: two channels, didn't they? The
1: GH one hundred. Well, one with uh, a, with a gain switch on it, basically. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah that's it. Yeah. yeah. And then um Yeah, and then obviously we started talking, yeah,
1: and chatting away and Well yeah, I used to take the orders off you every day. You'd ring up the stock check and we'd t- turn into like a 20-minute chat and piss take session, basically, wouldn't yeah. it? It's <laughs> uh it, that's know, a- Chris, Chris, I- we, we got the Farminator on the line for you. Okay, smack him through. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And it was awesome. It was really cool. Even when I moved, because when I first moved here, I was still working for them remotely. You were, yeah, yeah, still chat and uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where my first ever bass rig was Laney, like real rig. I mean, I had little Coltsburg combos when you when I first started. The Colesborough Viper that I thought that was thing was huge, and um, yeah. Then my first stack was a uh, was a Laney stack. That's yeah. what I had ninety
1: four. Ninety four, ninety five. Then we got up to the states. It was uh, let let's update your big fridge rack with some big every Nexus heads, wasn't it? <laughs> oh man. I still have them.
0: Still have them. I know. Luckily that I have a the Nexus Studio. Yeah, because the the rack. That's why I had to go in wheels. That those heads. God, I don't even want to know how much they weigh. It's a lot. I think it's like seventy five pounds or something it's, it's, it's a lot.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like two small children. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot. I think I got four. They got like,
0: is it two or four more tubes than a SBT? It's yeah, it's a monster. Yeah, so that was when yeah, when you know you started uh, reaching out about it, and yeah, like I say, that was great to.
1: And then, then because like I can't remember which is first on the timeline yet, because I invited you to come out to Nam didn't I? Yes. Um, yep. And that, I, and that was one of the best nams I ever had. It was such fun. She, like, turned up. And you're like, right. There's no hotels around here, is there? I said, no, they're all booked. And you were like, oh, shit. And I was like, it's all right, man. I've got a floor. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, fighting me out. And I'm like, well, oh, we'll figure it out. It'll be fine.
0: I didn't care. We had beer. And we, obviously, I wasn't a dad then. So I, was, I could sleep on a floor or whatever. And it was, yeah, that was great. That was a really good time. That was when... Uh, that really embarrassing time when you uh, the lights went down and you had that banana as I was packing my backpack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> literally like I, forgot, I, was... I forgot that because everyone was outside and we were packing stuff up in the middle of the booth and all the sides had come off it and it, it was literally like a silhouette, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was
0: literally you, the banana and you were joking because <laughs> I was down there packing up my backpack to take it back to the hotel because I think we'll James and all that lot were like, waiting to take because we we're gonna go for steak or something. And I was just putting my stuff in to take it. And I looked up in the you with the banana going. And then the lights dropped. And
1: everyone else there just dying. It was just, yeah. Good Lord. I forgot about that. Wasn't there someone also that was demoing a guitar or something and you just turned around and went, "That shit. <laughs> yeah, that
0: would my, my usual subtle self. Yeah, it was, um, that was also, I think, the year when uh, Jericho and Rich turned up.
1: And oh, uh, the, the bottle of the vodka in the water
0: yes and we were sat down and where they had that kind of tabled area behind so people could obviously meet and chat you know trade-wise and me and Chris just were just catching up because so
1: i don't think i'd seen him since i did the the fuzzy stuff no i'm gonna uh, ask about that in a minute was, yeah and we, we that kind of gig got sorted out between us as well didn't it you know
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and walking with kings uh stuff as well and then um yeah, we both had bottles of water and put it down. And somehow he must have overstretched and I overstretched. So they kind of swapped.
1: His, it wasn't, it. his wasn't water, was it?
0: <laughs> no. And I, I grabbed his water bottle and took a massive swig. And you're going, your brain's going through that. It's definitely not water. What is it? So in that brief second, I was like, <sighs> and it was Grey Goose. Neat, he
1: neat, neat Grey Goose, yeah.
0: Neat Grey Goose in this ice mountain bottle. And he was dying. And yeah. he's just up at me i'm like what the fuck are you doing he goes well you know i can't be on camera walking around with a bottle of vodka i said well yeah especially at like <laughs> 10 o'clock in the it was, it was like half
1: 10 in the morning the signing in was not
0: it but yeah so that was that was that year was amazing that was uh, my first experience of Right.
1: Like that year as well, we also had the, you, you went to the Zach Wild Roast as well, and also there was always me and you were pretty much, and sometimes Ian as well, We're always the last ones in the hotel bar, weren't we? Oh yeah, was that the one, that was the year Stevie Wonder did a surprise show somewhere? Yeah, and you missed it, because I was with Andy Sadowski at that one, wasn't I? Yeah, and it was, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the Zach Wild Roast. Yeah, you went to the Zach Wild Roast, because uh, you brought me back an EMG little doggy bag, which was nice. Um but That's like amazing. there was that like one oh. night we were like having a beer and I was outside having a smoke with DJ Ashburn and stuff and you were like easy Guns and Roses I know like, oh, yeah just like he's like <laughs> just a... and then we, we... went to we went to go in the in the in the lift and it <laughs> there was like three prostitutes in there do you remember that Ooh. <laughs> yeah and yeah, then we were just like
0: literally. literally yeah okay wherever they're getting off someone's having fun
1: yeah but yeah that um. That never got aired, that Zach Ro Zach Wild Roast, did it? It's on YouTube. It, Is it, 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 I was watching something the other week and it literally came up as the next video and it was it was like the the, the, the full complete Pro Shop thing. I don't know if it was on the TV, but it was there, you can watch it. It's on YouTube.
0: Wow. Cause I, it must have been yeah, that must have been just after I did the fuzzy stuff, because it was me, Rich, Jericho, and then Portnoy was on my table. And we, we ate. They gave us, then we fed, and then behind us was Steel Panther, so it was getting, and I think, I want to say Scott Ian was on our table. But yeah, it was like one of those ones where I just sat there, kind of like, <whistles> I'm complete, yeah, I'm, like, here. I'm a nobody, you know, it was just, um, but yeah, it's one thing that, I suppose for me, when, you know, meeting Chris for the first, is in Jericho for the first time, I was never a big wrestling fan. So I was just, He's just Chris. So I yeah. treated him like a person and gave him crap. And we've always, it's always been fun working with him. And uh, yeah,
1: yeah, really funny. But because well, that, yeah, that, that, that... that gig came across me having a phone call. And it was like, do you know any good bass players? And I was like, well, there's someone in the States, funnily enough, that might be able to do this for you. you know? Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I remember that day as, yeah. clear as clear as yesterday. I was walking into Best Buy
0: to get a new TV and Rich Ward called me. And obviously, we've been in touch, obviously, since... Um, in fact, we still do, still text each other. And um, I was walking in to get a new TV, and I thought, oh, i would grab this. And I'll, I'll never forget it. It was like a Tuesday night. And I was due to go to Atlanta on Saturday to do the Walking with Kings uh, video shoot down in Lantell Bridge. And he goes, oh, um, what are you doing next week? In fact, the next next couple of weeks, what are you doing? I was like, why? <laughs> he goes i think paul had broken his foot and couldn't fly and um yeah he goes yeah do you want to come on tour with Fozzy? And i was like sure why not that'd be fun and that was tuesday so i had wednesday thursday friday i drove to atlanta saturday i did the video shoot sunday i came home drove back from atlanta to chicago worked on the music that night and monday I flew to Edmonton in Canada.
1: That's what you're doing, all the all the Canadian shows in the freezing cold outdoors and stuff. When you're not we did
0: to... and Washington State. So yeah, the Tuesday we were in a, a ice hockey stadium <laughs> opening for Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah. <laughs> all that is. <laughs> that's what I was talking about. I mean, luckily uh, the manager sent me just the pure baseline, so I could learn it. And yeah, it was that was a wild. Wild, wild one that was. That was leaving all my gear in Atlanta so they could fly it in because it was too, too uh, short a notice to get any visas. So I just went in. Obviously, I've got British passports. So they were like, yeah, come in. We love you. And um, yeah, just went in with a backpack and did the shows. And then I think the last one was in Seattle. And then I flew home with my bases from there. That was, yeah, it was crazy. That was a real last minute come on out, and it was, I remember Chris saying, he goes, you joined, you know, you joined us at the right time, these are some of the biggest shows we've ever done, that was <laughs> yeah. a, I think 2011, but yeah, it was, yeah, that was fun, Yeah, guys. Yeah, it was those guys, uh, I think Billy, I kind of led Billy astray, because I was going through some personal crap at the time, I was uh, going through a, either just divorce or going through a divorce at the time, so I was a bit of a
1: party animal
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and it, i was just tired of tearing it up and um yeah rich is you know very always has been very kind of takes really good care of himself and not a really big drinker chris you can kind of leave me astray with the gray goose and stuff um and billy we had some beers and that but obviously bullet for my valentine were on the road with us and i was in catering one day and uh jason the old bass player walked in and and I said, Oh, how are you doing? You know, and obviously as soon as he heard me speaking English, he was like, Oh, and that was it. Me and him and Padge just literally that was it. We were just welded together for the rest of it. And just those boys are animals. They're really good fun to hang around with. Yeah, I miss those guys. But yeah, it's um yeah, that was that that period. That was a quick I was like, Oh my god, that was really cool, really, <laughs> really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh the last minute. Last minute on um, you know, just by going to buy a TV and the next minute, you know, doing a video shoot and then I'm flying to Canada to do these shows. It was so much fun. A lot of that's
1: fun. Just, was, that's, uh, I remember those times well, man. It was great. It was all good. And it was good to see someone I knew so well getting the chance to do it as well. That was I, I felt connected to it, you know, from over here. It was like that's cool. You know what I mean? It's like that's great. It well, yeah, it was a lot of fun and it was just,
0: yeah. Just they're such good guys, they really are. All of them are just awesome guys. And obviously, Paul as well. He's no longer with them in the band. Um, but yeah, they're just such a good bunch of guys. Really down to And a, and a lot of fun. And we're really accommodating. So I remember, that's right, because we got in that Monday night into Edmonton. We had a rehearsal. at a two-hour rehearsal. And three songs in, the PA broke, blew up. Oh. It was literally, I was like, okay, let's just, you know, let's just go with it. <laughs> let's just go with it, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It was just one of those ones where obviously the full rehearsal wasn't meant to be. So yeah. And that was it. And then yeah, after that was when all the Rubik's and Cross stuff we finally yeah started moving forward with that, getting that properly recorded. So I think we did an EP first, like just a little test of it, see how it would be taken. And then um, yeah it was really cool. That record the Rubicon Cross stuff, really proud of that because it was a long, long time coming, and it was the actual band name came from Chris's dad, right? Because started that. The idea of that project uh, was CJ approached me and Chris in the dressing room in Madrid in 2004 about doing that. It was initially going to be a, like a solo band of his. He wanted to do a solo project, and then as over the time, it kind of just grew into this band, and then. I remember Dave, uh, God bless him. He was always, yeah. He's, I don't know if Chris has ever gone into detail with his dad, but he has joke books out. He was such a funny guy. Every time he got a lot of stuff from me through GAC, I'd get him really good deals. And um, every time he'd pick the, I'd pick the phone up with Dave, he'd always have to start with about two or three jokes. Yeah. And I remember him going, fucking you know, hell, you guys getting this band together, it's like crossing the Rubicon and boom. Ooh, <laughs> That's where it came from, yeah, Rubik and Cross. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a really, really cool record. It was one of those ones that was really... It took a long time to come into fruition, but, yeah, it was a really good record to finally get out there and kind of show CJ's heavier side Yeah, with him, you know, doing the, the Firehouse stuff for all those years. I'm still going, obviously. But, um, yeah, yeah, we have got to... Uh, there's still life in that old dog. Yeah, I think we got at least another record out of that one.
1: That'd be great. Do, do, know, another one. do you know what, though, what I also liked about it, when you are doing all that kind of stuff as well, the original stuff, you are also keeping your chops though, weren't you, just getting out there and doing like really fun, but busy, you know, good paying sort of cover shows, were not you, as well? Just to yeah, I
0: did. Uh, I think I, was, I, had a, I had a, when I was still living in Chicago, I had a progressive three piece. Like really progressive, that stuff was insane to the point of where, again, this incestuous pool of musicians um, sat at that table at the Zach Wildrose next to Portnoy. Obviously, I've got to chat and hang out. And then when Adrenaline Mob came to Chicago, the progressive three piece I was in opened up for Adrenaline Mob. So yeah. that was, a- and obviously at that time, I think Paul DeLeo, who was in Fuzzy, was also an Adrenaline, yeah,
1: Adrenaline, Adrenaline mob. mob. Yeah,
0: and yeah. Ward with rich me. ward yeah uh, yeah it was crazy yeah so that was all of that but um yeah it was uh i completely lost my train of thought now
1: <laughs> but yeah i was gonna i was gonna get to you because what, what, i remember seeing the the poster you put out for when you when you were doing lava rock and i was like whoa oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry,
0: <laughs> way late with that but yeah so yeah i was doing the i was doing the three piece progressive and then yeah we'd started it actually started out as vintage which was like a That's it, that, yeah. Yeah, I remember actually like doing all the dressing up in the seventies stuff. Yeah, and it for some reason they didn't get it, and I was like, "Wow!" Because it was like almost like a dazed and confused kind of thing. Yeah, we're all village people. Back then, in when we were because uh, we actually had management. We were actually managed by this management company in Chicago that put the band together. It wasn't like a well, oh, let's do this." It was like they were auditioning the people for the band. And we sat down with the Dazed and Confused record and kind of was picking the playlist. That's with Gerald. And uh, yeah, that, and it just didn't, for some reason, we did quite a few shows with it, but it just didn't. And like, even like, look, you know, Gerald, you, I know you got on soon. He had like, witty bought wigs and everything to look like he had long, really long hair. And, you know, even went out and bought some extra guitars. And, you know, we were going around old, you know, charity shops getting bell bottoms and all this kind of stuff and trying to really push it. But they for some reason it didn't take traction. And then Kerry was a singer. He goes, I've always had this idea of doing this acronym with the lava rock. And it's Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Van Halen, and Aerosmith. That's the only four bands you play. Yeah. That's all you need. That sounds really, really cool. And I was like, we're we gonna do, you know, because obviously at this point we had all this stuff and all these costumes. And I was like, So how are we gonna do this? And I said, No, this is just your stage stuff and rock it out kind of stuff and just go for it, and yeah. And that band they're still going now and yes. they're doing really successful. They're doing really well with that. It's um that was a fun band, really fun band. That's when I first had to go out and buy a, a drop tune pedal because like going from because we were genuine to the Van Halen we were playing all in E flat, right. yeah. And um yeah, so you know drop tune pedals like I'm not because I'm one of those weird people. Like I like to play. I like to use a bass, you know, and you'll see through um, like a lot of the Rubicon Cross stuff. Like it was also like it's cross, but Chris killed me on that record. It was in like three or four different tunings. We like C, C sharp. This one's in D. This one's in E flat. And I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to learn to play it on the five string and E flat. So that's what I did. And there was some really kind of like Kill or Be Killed is a really upbeat. I think it's one of the ones I did the video in here playing mm. and it's, I'm literally fretting everything to play it rather than having to go another bass, another bass, <laughs> another bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think the only one was um, Bleed With Me because that was in a particular drop tuning and it was to get in the sound kind of right. You need that kind of it was I think it was a pedaling open string. So that one I had in the video as well was a, was a drop drop four string. But yeah, and there's even in the Furion days, there was one that was in C where the the opening riff was like a pedal off of an open C sh- string.
1: Yeah, you can't get away so, with
0: it then, can you? So I'd fret it with this hand. There's a picture on oh, my face. Oh, you used, used, used
1: the first fret on the B, to do it like that way. It yeah. really cool as well. Yeah. I just,
0: I, I just had this thing in my head. I don't know why. I just I always wanted to just, I don't, I don't know. know. Probably my early roots of seeing Steve Harris on bass with a bass guitar. And it was like, for some reason, it's like, well, I should be able to do this with one bass, you know? So that's, that's what I did. I learned how to do everything on a five string in E flat. Nice. Yeah. But obviously the Van Halen and the huge just, just like, uh, drop tune. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And then back up again. So that was kind of how that, but yeah, that band was, yeah. It, it Playing with it was, it was just for me, moving up here, um, which was the next step in life and then being in Chicago and playing in Michigan and geography wise, you know, we're doing the, the hard rock in Michigan. For me, that's a four and a half hour, five hour drive. So go there and you're talking about, you know, you're talking about getting there for set up sound check, do a three hour show and then a five hour drive home. So, you know, it, it was a lot. And I fell asleep at the wheel coming back one night, not only briefly, long enough to scare the shit out of me and then take the wrong highway route, which is one point oh, yeah. route. If look into the American me, is where it splits and goes round from, uh, round kind of, it's hard to describe really, but yeah, one, one highway goes south towards Madison and then it kind of goes up and round kind of Walkershore. And I wanted to go on the south route, route, sorry, and I woke up going round the right-hand turn of the highway to take the north section. That's scary. And, that was my point where I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore, which sucked. Yeah. It sucked really it. I've done some fill-in shows. We did a, in Duluth, uh, we did a show a couple, probably a couple of years ago now with the, the pandemic. He's getting another year to what you think was, <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> know, year ago. Well, that was a scream. We went up and did, ho- it was an overnight show and did a a show up there. That was that was a lot of fun. But you, you supported some, some big '80s rock bands as well, didn't you? With that band? Oh my god! That we did. We, um, in fact, I shared a picture, and it worked out. Uh, it was the day of my birthday. We were supporting Brett Michaels, and um, my friend Rob plays keyboards for him. And he's he's oh my god! He's an Chris. You know, next time you speak to Chris, you have to get some stories. They went bowling with Rob one night. And he's just the nicest guy you ever meet. But oh my god! he must be English at heart because that boy can really put some down. And, yeah, I was, you know, we are playing away doing the, did we, I can't remember what it was. It was either the after show. I think it was the after show because he'd already had a few beers. So they all came in and hang out and I'm playing away. And obviously it's, you know, they're doing a shout out for my birthday. And he literally walks up with a two litre bottle of Jaeger while I'm playing. And just, there's just Jaeger pouring down me and my face while he's just pouring Jaegermeister down my throat. It was just, yeah. We did. We did some. When we played with Mr. Big, um, God, we, yeah, we've been lucky enough to play some big bands with that band. That's did great. some really, really cool stuff with them. But yeah, and that's where I first kind of started to get to know Billy Shen properly. That's I think pretty, we played. That's, that's pretty great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's a. Oh my God, he's such a cool guy. Yeah, I know. It sounds. It sounds like I'm really doing the old name drop, but.
1: For me, yeah, I... We, love, we love a bit of that. It gives me loads of stuff to hashtag in the um, in the description. Yeah, it
0: was great. <laughs> I met him at MI in London.
1: My cousin Lee was there for doing drums.
0: I was, I don't know, I was just probably too crap to go to MI because I couldn't read music. And um, yeah, he did a, a seminar there. And my cousin Lee was like, Yo, do you want to get tickets to go up and see Billy Shea? I was like, yeah, definitely. And it was a room, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay him at all, but... I'd say, obviously, I'm trying to think how many people. I'd be surprised that there's 150 people in this room on chairs, and they were all like chairs together. And I was in the second row, and Billy she- Sheerness sat 15 feet in front of me, you know, doing all the everything. Everyone's going, oh, that double thing you did with Vine on even smile. He's like, playing away. How yeah. to do pinch harmonics without a pick, and, and that was a huge huge moment in for me watching that i mean we're talking again probably 97 96 97 and it was that v in the road of okay you're either gonna knuckle down and do this or you're gonna quit (laughs) and i remember going up to sign him in fact i yeah i know it would have been 98 because i was just about to go and record the first pride record and um meeting him i still have the signed photo somewhere he signed an Ampeg photo for me and um, I kind of stopped and he kind of goes, so, you know, what have you got going on? And it, it wasn't just one of those, you know, sign and hand off, sign and hand off. He said, oh, yeah, well, you, you you know, he said, oh, you're, you're here, obviously, you know. I said, yeah, no, I'm not at college. I'm just about to go and record my first record and I'm actually bricking it. I'm always worried about that, you know, the red light fear. Yeah. And he went like that and gave me his email address. And I emailed him and stuff and talking about it and, it was just, it was just one of those things where, yeah, and obviously you know he had his website at the time, and you keep in touch, with various of that. But then with um, with Facebook and stuff, I had him as a friend on there, and yeah, it's been it's been years. Every time he comes to town, I usually am lucky enough to catch up and meet him after the show and chat. And he's just for someone who is amazing as he is. I mean, he's probably right, you know, not probably. When it comes to rock, he's what he is one of the best bass players on the planet.
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah,
0: he would sit with you and have a glass of wine and talk about his cat, and he's it, just you know you can literally message him me on Facebook and ask. I asked him a question the other day um as I'm trying to sort of start playing again. I said, it "Was any any techniques at all from transitioning from, especially when you're playing fingerstyle, transitioning from playing." Quarter beats on three fingers because you have to move the accent across to going back to two. Is there any kind of any you know anything in particular that you found that helps you transition between those two? And he was ah oh, you know let's we me straight back. He was, I was uh, like yeah there is. I'm gonna have to see if because um, he's got his YouTube channel going now. Yeah, I was about but, to mention that. Yeah, it's it's, it's actually against yeah, entertaining. I like it. Over that, he said, I'm sure I've done interviews about it in the past, but yeah, he's <laughs> he, he always replies and he's just. And I'm sure it's the same for everybody because that's the kind of guy he is. It's not like it's like, oh, yeah, my best mate's Billy Sheen. But it's, it's, he's always, always replied and always been there. And I think he put a post up of a guy in India that literally was talking about that first time that he replied to an email or emailed Billy Sheen, not expecting to get a reply. And you know, he replied literally the, the next day and how amazed he was that here was an email from Billy Sheen. And it's weird.
1: It's, it that's how approachable he is, and and that's great. I, mean, I, lo- I love I love these um, setup videos. You no, it's on YouTube. We just like this is how I get yeah, what- a cheap face and do it up. And how literally he keeps he just does it the way he does it. And they will literally be technicians all over the world crying at it. You know, you've not taped the fingerboard off. You've not done this. You've not done that. You're not supposed to turn the truss rod that far up that much. But literally, he says all the way through it, this is just how I do it. And I'm not one. I don't care about aesthetics. If I li- if I literally s- file the fretboard slightly, I'm not bothered. But if you want to do it properly, do it properly. But I love his honesty with it. It's like, you know. And that he's such
0: a humble guy that he's on that, you know, I'm no Lucia and, you know, this is how I've kind of, bummed my way into doing this over the years and it's just it's fascinating to watch because it's an insight into him yeah as a, and it's just that's how much of a humble guy he is and he has all the rights in the world to be the most arrogant prick
1: you could ever meet you know there's always that don't he meet not. him and he is one but guy I, that i've met him twice when he was um doing the vibe thing um Used to be able to go and sort of do the meet and greets being the distributor with with Steve Vai and his band, you know, and he was always fantastic. You know, he was just su- such a nice person to talk to. And I remember my buddy from from uh, from work. He like Billy was like doing the signing. And he said, "I remember the line actually." He says, "Uh, and 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 who are you, man?" And he went, "Oh, I'm nobody." And Billy saying, "You are somebody, man." <laughs> you know, and it, it was just you know, it was great. <laughs> yeah, he is incredible.
0: Um. You know, that was the big the big thing for me when I was trying to get out of becoming Steve Harris Mark II was Billy's stuff. I bought a lot of the old VHSs of his instru- instructional stuff. For him with Wolf Marshall. Mm, I, remember
1: Wolf, when- I remember Wolf Marshall.
0: Wolf Marshall with his uh, sweatshirt with music notes all over it. And um I remember him, him uh, kind of questioning Billy about theory and chucking all this massive theory at him. And Billy like, yeah, I don't really and this was right early it might have been just before the um mr big albums were coming out and he was like you know you know you, you're blinding me with science you know he was more about playing from the ear
1: yeah
0: uh, that's that's something that's always blown me away it's just sheer talent it is
1: it is and the, did you know a fact about today is that lean into it is 30 years old today
0: oh my god wow we're we'll getting old to- we're old. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's just, yeah, that, and that, him, that was the big one, big influence, Billy Sheen.
1: Yeah, big, big, big influence. I think that's a pretty damn good influence to uh, to have. I mean, yeah, I'm I mean, I, I'm pretty yeah. obvious with who my influences are by what's yeah. behind me, but
0: <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, it, and that, I mean, Eddie Jackson from Queenswright was another big one. Before I moved to Spive String, I used a drop uh, I used to play in drop D all the time to get that kind of, to kind of cheat that fire string sound. Yeah. Um, I really loved his tone. Really good tone. And then, uh, yeah, it's really weird. It's, is, that, uh, is, that
1: what, is that what got you into being like a, a Warwick boy? Because you, you've always been into your Warwicks as long as I'm there, haven't you? yeah? Yeah,
0: uh, for me it was, um, yeah, because oh, yeah, he's played...
1: Sorry for everybody else, the Warwicks. <laughs> Warwick. Uh, Warwick, yeah.
0: Warwick. Yeah, was... Um, I, it, from the turning point for me with Warwick was uh, I went to see Saxon in Worthing and there was an opening band, they were very kind of skid rowish I still to this day don't know the name of the band but he had a really heavily flaked black kind of metallic Warwick and I just absolutely loved that sound and was like oh my god that is a sound I've been looking for and a friend of mine Paul Hart who owned Monster Music in Worthing was selling his five-string Warwick thumb at the time. And it was just one of those. I went in and played it, and that was it. I was like, ah shit, I'm screwed. And I think that was probably what 90, I think, 95, something like that, 94, 95. And yeah, I remember playing it in the shop in the corner, thinking, don't look at the price tag, just see what the pro you know, see what it plays like. And I think Paul, knowing knowing me, knowing it was going to go to a good home, was like, yeah, we will try and sort some deal out then. And I was just trying to trade everything in. I, that's why I say previously about not having bases I grew up with is because I literally did a crossroad moment, sold my soul to get into this base. And yeah, I, was, I mean, I don't have it anymore, certainly, because once I got endorsed by Warwick and they were kind enough to make me some bases and I wasn't playing it. And it was killing me that it was just sat in the case Mm. so i ended up selling it when i was moving to the us i was like you know yeah it's a great bass but it deserves to be played and yeah i've regretted it ever since but yeah i recorded the first two pride records with that um and did all of my cover band stuff in england was with that bass and yeah the old school handmade in west germany that's how old that one was before the wall yeah (laughs) yeah
1: yeah Oh man, yeah, I shouldn't have sold that. that. So, so, so that's a beast you've got there, I can see there. That, that's a one-off, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's the one they made for me. Yeah, that's the one they did for me, the chrome one. There was only me and Stuart Zendon from Dumericoi at the time that had chrome finishes. And uh, they asked me what I wanted to do, and I thought... I do I've always been a big Satch fan.
1: Yeah. that was
0: one. My, um, my uncle uh, would always be blasting. It, it was him that kind of got me a lot of the music, like the Flying A Blue Dream album. He bought me that on cassette and uh, Satch has always been a big thing. And it was just the fact that they, they sent me a bunch of, obviously the list of all the different colors you can get. And there was something that just jumped out about it. It was like, Oh my God, that's really different. That's just really different. So I had that done with uh, Simul Duncan's. Yeah. And that's, know what, what was that. You now getting old and can't remember stuff. 2005. Yeah, okay. so, yeah,
1: she's, and that's been my main base ever since 2005. You do, you do dally into the occasional fender bit though, don't you? You know, you do. You... Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've got my fenders, a lot of it's in storage at the moment. Um, I got, I, when I was 16 or 17, I had um, a blue one built identical to Steve Harris's and got him to sign it for me nice. at an I band club meeting. And uh, that one's in a case locked away. And then, being sad, I did get this one, which is probably the heaviest base I've ever picked up in my entire life. This beauty, which... Uh, uh, it's, got, it's, got, it's got the wrong badge on for you, though, hasn't it? Yeah, as, yeah, there's a little bit of a issue with the badge, but, yeah, this base, it's just... I don't know, it's something for me, just maiden's always going to have something in my heart. Well, the, and, the, uh,
1: the thing is, mate, I was going to actually... Because I knew you got that one and you got a signed one as well. I was actually going to do a a debut a new uh, section on this uh, podcast cuz like like me i've got sort of artist stuff and i was going to basically start the uh, the section off tonight with you with your famous artist gear ah oh. <laughs> there you go yeah i mean yeah. It's just, um i need to find yeah. a logo i need to find a logo for that section <laughs> i'm not sure what it's going to be <laughs> but yeah it's just other
0: about it, it's just made, and even now, it's um, it's, been, it's just one of those bands that instantly I don't know, it just seems timeless for me, it's weird, and especially playing along with it, burning Live After Death out, yeah, like being 15 years old, playing those songs. In fact, I remember when they did the Live After Death Revisited, that was like a monumental moment for me. I remember I was in Chicago. I'm not sure which stadium it was there in Chicago, but I remember going there, just plonking myself in front of the uh, sound desk. I I don't go down the front anymore. Um, Not me. Yeah, plonked myself in front of the sound desk because I knew that's where Dougie Hall was going to be at the best sound and just waiting for Churchill's speech to start. And it was just like, oh my God, it's like I'm 13 years old again. And it was just, yeah, you know, Aces High coming on and then, you know, all of the stuff, rhyming the Ancient Mariner, and seeing that live, it was like, yeah, because obviously the video as well, which was another reason we're talking about visual learning, I had the Live After Death video VHS, that I would sit there and rewind with my combination TV VHS player
1: yeah. to see
0: what I playing, to kind of
1: learn it, and, oh, man, yeah. I'm, I'm jealous of you, the fact that, you know, that the, your favourite band, like, of all time, which, you know, which is Maiden, you know, you can still... Go and see. I mean, obviously, out of this pandemic and that crap, like, but you yeah. can still see them doing massive, massive shows, and I'm, I'm never going to get to see Van Halen play. You know what I mean? It's never going to happen. yes yeah, you, know, well, I mean, you know, you know, you know. I've seen like probably thousands of shows, and, and like I've seen many big bands, including like Maiden, all those multiple, multiple times through being at loads and loads of different festivals and shows and that. But I never got to see my favorite band because they never came to the no. UK. I had tickets in 98 for the three tour with Gary Sharon at the NEC. Um, My brother managed to score front row at his his side of the stage. You know, I'm like, this is going to be brilliant. Two days before they they canned the the British dates. They said it was because some bit of... um, ceiling fell down on alex van allen's arm during rehearsal in germany but i think it's, they just hadn't sold That they, they booked arenas basically and i don't think there was the demand there i'm, I'm read, i might be wrong but i'm reading between the lines there but the, the gigs were pulled and i didn't get to go they got refunded wow but yeah never been ne- never saw them live because i was the, the, They just didn't play in the uk no and whenever, yes, but- whenever i was in the states literally if you ever went to, like, the holiday in Florida, that when they were on tour, they'd played there three months before or two weeks before, and i just missed them. It, never, it yeah. never felt right. It never felt right. So, And, of course, Eddie's passed now, so it's, like, it's not going to happen. So, uh, Yeah, me, it was um, Donington, 1992,
0: 15 years old. It was the first time I saw him. Yeah, and I, I dread to think how many times I've seen him now. I'll say dread. I've seen him a lot. Yeah. Yeah them a lot. In fact, my birthday, probably how many years ago, probably two or th- probably three years ago, they were playing literally on like the 21st of August and mine's birthday's on the 24th. So a bunch of us traveled down and obviously heavily drinking because we'd hired a limo. Oh
1: yeah.
0: <coughs> uh, yeah we're heavily drinking and kept stopping to pee. And it, we had we've been lucky enough to get some passes and um, we'd stop so much and Pete, we got there and they were close to getting on and it turns out our meet and greet passes were before for before the show and not after um. so we did you know like meet up, meet up with them so that was a bit of a bit of a gutter but um yeah, but to see them you know, they're just one of those bands that if you've never seen them live especially in this kind of era of music it's just old school or six guys now so i was about to say five guys six guys that are old enough to be our, well, old enough to be my dad, at least. Mm. Absolutely, no no tracks, just just blasting the shit out of you. With, and it's with, just... With,
1: un- with, with a em- second to non-stage show as well, you know. Yeah,
0: unbeatable. I know it's... The last, uh,
1: last, last time I saw and the last time I saw him was headlining download a, couple, a few years back. Um, and it was the one where they literally flew the Spitfire over the crowd. Yep. And it was like, that's cool. You know, it was like...
0: That was the tour I saw them on. Fun enough
1: um, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: They're just, they're just, yeah. They're a different world, different world. It's, uh, but yeah,
1: it's uh, crazy, really so crazy. What, so, uh, like I say, before I uh, we, we sort of wrap, 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 the chat up because I know me and you could talk all night. That's the problem. Oh. it'd be a yeah. five, five and a half hour long podcast. <laughs> but, I love, yeah, I did. I love catching up with you. It's great fun because like we just got. Yeah. Sorry, it's been yeah.
0: so long. I'm a really, shit, friends, but um, it's all right. Text and stuff, but video chat. We need to do it more often. Well, but... I was going
1: to say, like, what's 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 next? We we've, we've talked about the crap that we're going through at the moment, and uh, you know, and you know, we're going to be able to get out of it soon by the looks of it. Um, you mentioned yeah, I mean... you mentioned before about doing a bit more uh, rugby re- and cross. I know, I know, life's changed for you now because you're like, you know, your husband and daddy daycare and all this, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 yeah where, I mean, where, it's
0: where to fit it in, isn't it? It's where to fit it, it in. It's, we're like, that and that's it, and it's just a case of just um, priorities obviously shift. I mean, yeah, I know, um, you yeah, know, another record has been talked about on and off, you know, between Chris and CJ and myself for a couple of years, but um, yeah, it would be kind of fitting, maybe you know, get through all this crap, you know, and then maybe look at doing something towards the back end of the year and getting some stuff sorted out. But yeah, for me personally, I'd also like to, it's weird, Wisconsin is, it's, it's a very, it's a strange market for music. There's a lot of um, well-established bands, but just, you know, just starting to think new is very difficult, where obviously Chicago, there's a lot, a lot of bands. It's a big, big scene, as it were. It's a little bit smaller up here, but um, yeah, I definitely would like to do something local, once I can, there's a few friends of mine up here that we've already spoken about possibly jamming and doing some stuff. But yeah, it's um, I just got to get back playing at some point. Well, I've got some remote recording
1: jobs for you. There you go. That'll be a start. Send so you some stuff. I can I can chuck you one of our uh, rocked up thing we're doing at the moment. We pick an '80s cover that's preposterous and turn it into a rock song. I'll send you one of them. <laughs> yeah. oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's see if we can turn madonna into metallica and get away with it you know what i mean that kind of thing (laughs) it's um
0: yeah it's just a weird one it's kind of i definitely feel like it's almost like coming out of hibernation it's you're so so focused when you know when you have young kids around it's like you're just so focused on them surviving well well, (laughs) yeah it's like oh my god yeah this is my responsibility you know it's um
1: i think what we'll have to do when we're out of all this we need to plan because i've been invited a few times in the last couple of years but i just haven't been able to make it work time-wise or anything but we need to go out to nam again man but we need, yeah. to, we need to go and i won't be literally tied to a booth anymore we, i just want to literally get over and be look at everything see everything um you know, I'd love to then do all the night stuff, go to, go see all the different shows and stuff like that, and not have the worry of having to be at the booth at eight o'clock in the morning to Hoover it and that kind of thing before you know because it's it, yeah you know, it's, it's intense yeah. you know what I mean? But and then you'd be sitting down for lunch and not at the end of the day having feeling like your feet are
0: going to fall off basically.
1: Well yeah, I just like to go and absorb it more than rather than because in the past when I've been there I've literally you've seen it I've ran around before the show starts oh. for an hour to look at stuff. And then I've been—I mean, even the once you looked after me. The once because I was literally did the whole two days of the show with a smashed knee, didn't I? And you just kept yeah. giving me painkillers. I was like, I can't move, can't walk. Yeah, and that was drinking with—that was drinking with Switch Engage, wasn't it? They can drink.
0: Yes, those boys. Yeah, they can. Ha- they can. That was when um,
1: Adam won
0: The Price Is Right.
1: Not The Price right. Is Right. And he was wearing—he was- was—he was wearing the same gear as he was the flip-flops and the hoodie and stuff. And that, but he was,
0: ah, uh, the money, the lot, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He won the whole caboodle. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Where was it? Was it Andy Sneap that was with us as well that night? Yeah, Andy
1: Sneap and... Uh, there was a few there. We were a really crappy bowling alley, weren't we?
0: Yeah, I can't... Because I know something went south. I know you and Chris were, We were supposed to go somewhere, I thought, a bit more elaborate.
1: Yeah, if you, um, remember, if you remember, we thought we were going somewhere else, but we let somebody else organise it all. And it, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> We all got yeah. there and it was like, ah, right, okay. Um, oh I think we ended, we, ended, we ended up getting pizza or something in, delivered because we couldn't get food at the place we've been booked it, our food at. Or, they, I don't they,
0: they were only selling beer, which was great, but it was, yeah, we did. We ordered like three or four pizzas and then um, his name's escaping me, which I'm really embarrassed about. Bass player, Australian, lives in California. Oh,
1: Christian Attard.
0: Yes, he was yeah, he with was us.
1: There. Yeah,
0: he was there uh, with us, yeah. Yeah, oh, he's such a, such a cool guy. Loving the it's bits.
1: He's, he's one of the smoothest people on earth, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: phenomenal player as well. Phenomenal player. I know mean, there's one point, um, I think the booth was closing and there was me, him and Eric hanging out, just jamming. Yeah, We I were remember. just jamming any booth together. It was just, yeah. It, it was, and again, I, I saw your one with Eric as well. Another phenomenal player.
1: That's, yeah. I've had people message me about that that, that that maybe weren't aware of Eric and they've literally said oh, it was like two and a half hours but it didn't seem like it because he was just so interesting you know because yeah. he, is, he is he's, he's been yeah. all over there he's done this he's done that and it's, it's and another humble yeah. guy yeah, yeah completely
0: yeah amazing yeah they, they would yeah and then would be fun it would obviously be different but it would be fun to go out there and kind of experience it as a punter, as it were. <laughs>
1: oh, well, yeah, I'd like, you know, it's like, I, I, I get an invite every year, I do, from different places, and it'd be lovely, but, you know, I'd love to take Loose just for LA for the week, as long as she can put up be, with me being an absolute music nerd in the daytime, you know, because that's I, what, it, what I'll be, you know.
0: One thing I would recommend, when I was last out there, when we were friends, Steve Jones, um, we went out for um, Keith Beres' organisation, Guitar Guru Network, we went out yeah. with them, and, um, we, because you know, hotels obviously are horrendously expensive yeah. in Anaheim, then horrendously pumped up during NAM. Yeah. Um, We actually Airbnb'd a house. Right, uh, it was like what a seven minute Uber Uber ride away, and I think between four of us, it was like 150 bucks for the week.
1: That's perfect, isn't it?
0: And and it had everything there. The kitchen was not obviously stacked with any food, but all the you know utensils. So yeah. we just went to Total Wine, got a crap load of piss in. Yeah. Then went and got some groceries and we were just cooking it back at the house. So it yeah. saved us that way. And plus, you know, it was, yeah, it was, that was a really, that was the last time I went. It was a really cool way of doing it. Apart from a massive snowstorm coming in and I got stuck there for another two days on my own. So I had to pay for the house for another two days on my own. Oh, nowhere. And then tried to rejiggle fright. Gosh, well, I was trying to fly back through everywhere, Denver, and I ended up just going to Chicago and actually getting a mate to pick me up from Chicago to drive me back up to Wisconsin.
1: Just doing everything to try and get home. No Yeah, way. yeah, we got to get out there. That'd be fun. I will make try it, man. Because I-, I, I, I do like I, I, I miss the old little bits as well. Where like you'd ring in and say, "Mate, I've made it." I'm, I'm like, "I'm, I'm, where are you? Uh, I haven't got my badge." And I'll be like, "I'll bring your badge to you. Meet me at the Hilton bar." At, like uh, m- at midday. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just off to find yeah. I've got to give him his badge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see
0: three hours when he comes
1: back <laughs> <and> around. <laughs> um,
0: but I know, I know, waffling on again and it's dragging on, but I know uh, before we started talking, we were talking about the evolution of equipment and how, you know, I have this huge rack system that I built. You do, man.
1: It's massive and it's heavy. Man,
0: with everything I wanted, everything I ever needed into it.
1: And everything that everybody else needs that you don't, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then eight by tens. And then now, I think we said before, I'm using that. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: what, what, what is that? That's the that's the uh, Tech 21 Steve Harris thing, yeah. And I used that into a Line 6 UX2. That's, your, that's the fly rig, isn't it? Is it called that for base or not?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I was lucky enough. In fact, one of those small world scenarios that happened, <laughs> I went down to watch obviously being a complete nerd, went down to watch British Lion play in Chicago when yeah. uh, literally right before the shutdown last year and went down to see him play. And because um, I know Tony Newton, who's recorded a lot of the uh, I Main's live stuff. Yeah. Very nervous again. He uh, used to play bass in a band called Dirty Deeds and the guitarist that joined Pride, Barry Fitzgibbon was from Dirty Deeds. So we all kind of knew it was, a, again, back in the day. So I knew Tony was going to be there because he was doing sound for him. And um, so I went down to hang out and uh, catch up with him. And I was standing at the bar grabbing a drink and all of a sudden this guy goes, Simon? And it was my friend Jez from Brighton and he was running monitors for British right. Life and it was on the tour. So yeah, he kind of went, you know, coming over a quick look and and uh, yeah, basically that's what Steve Harris takes on the road. He takes one of those Tech 22s through some GK, two GK heads and that's, that's it. it they're flat so you have to get that
1: then
0: yeah no i'm not that much of a fan but i had to get the pedal that was one thing i had like okay i had to get the pedal because there is it's really versatile having two channels and stuff it was really versatile having built a a fly pedal board that's a good way of kind of having a literally a plug and play sound i mean it's got a tuner built in you could literally use it not i'm starting to sound like a tech 21 advert but yeah you if you wanted to, just walk in with a bass and that and, and some ears and play.
1: It's like me with this. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it's, it's backup for me. and record. I used it, I've used it every day for recording in the last year. Um, the big one is my gig one, which I'm not gigging, so I've no reason to stand up and use a wire or anything. I'll do multiple switching when I'm recording, so this gets used every single day. But when I'm gigging, fits in your gig bag. You know, anything yeah. c- catastrophic goes wrong, you've got Amps, cabs, pedals, the lot—you can just run yeah. that into the PA, run it into an effects loop. It's—we've never had it so good, mate. And this comes up a lot in in the interviews. We've never had it so good. There's never been a better player to be a musician in terms of gear and good price gear for for relatively a lot less than what it was when we started playing. For example, you know what I mean? Oh,
0: God, yeah. I don't even want to.
1: See what
0: it costs. Me to you know, I mean,
1: don't, not even funny. You. You've worked in, in in retail as well, and you can see yeah. what I mean from that from the from the from yeah. music retail. You know, we're looking at. What would it cost us let's say a, a japanese guitar that would have been 1800 quid 10 years ago you can get an indonesian one that's just as good spec now for like 600 it's you know yep. things like that you know it's... Yeah. and it's um i think moving forward if,
0: if i'm lucky enough moving forward to to do shows again of a uh, you know say Rubicon and cross we're lucky enough to get out and do some more shows again i would definitely look down the line of doing I know that Kemper's more aimed towards guitar stuff, but I know Fractal have been very popular in doing sampling of bass, like real bass tones, because that would... Um, I really like that. In fact, Saxon, I know for a fact, um, that's another bunch of guys I've been lucky enough to know for years and years, um, that all all of them guys are on Kemper. It's all Kemper now, yeah. And Andy Seat has all of the studio recording sounds in those amps, and yeah. that go out with, but... Yeah, it's, it's different, man. It's different in a good way because now I'm getting old. I can't, my back can't handle living, lifting all that whole heavy crap. So having something you can put, you know, I know we, I think I put a picture up when I first got my line six studio, sorry, line six, Laney, Nexus studio, because um, Lava Run Ears, that's all I took was a bass, two bass guitars in my double bass bag and my uh, Nexus studio. Nice and it. a pedal. And that was it. it. Yeah, yeah. And it is different. I mean, especially for bass. I know Chris touched on it. There's, there's a different thing about feeling. Feel like we touched on trousers a flappage Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm not. I'm not a big fan of his. I mean, it's, it's helps, especially when I, you know, Robert Benke in Rubicon Cross is also in Lava. He's a really loud drummer.
1: Yeah. Uh, he was with us with Killswitch as well, wasn't
0: he? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, he. Uh, it helps with him if you're running ears. You don't come back. Go to the bar afterwards to get a beer, and you're like, beer. So what do you want? What do you want for drinking? <laughs> yeah. Especially diners going in your ear. And you're like, you know, it's like. Yeah. Yeah, that helps you. It's good for that side of things, but you know, for the the feel and the show aspect, it's got to be got to be cabs. You know. But, yeah. It's
1: it's to say I, I, they're going to coexist. I think. I mean, for pure. Yeah. For, for, I mean, sound guys probably. Absolutely adore the fact that people are moving on to Kempers and and Helixes and Axe Effectors because literally it's like, give me that beautiful signal, happy days. Yep. You know.
0: Oh yeah, it yeah. doesn't have to. Spend, you know, worry about you know. I mean, I know SM57s or whatever they're making up with these days aren't. You know, tons of money, but it's just one less variable to go.
1: Variable and and its consistency and I mean the way these work a sound out a lot of their jobs done for you because you literally are working on a polished sound that includes you know your pedals your amp and your post-processing because you know you're you putting a compressor at the end of your chain and things like that you're literally giving a live right. ready tone so yep. essentially a sound guy can just go ah volume <laughs> yeah obviously they'll do their own tweaks but you know it's it's, it's simpler that there's there's less stuff that can go wrong but it's still it's you know th- there's still a merit to having a big tube head blasting behind you with with, with cabs.
0: Yeah, but I think, yeah. I think it's more to do with that's what we've grown up to be
1: used to, I think. And that's yeah, what I we're think so. the internet players aren't used to that anymore. They're not they literally like, I think it was Giz Buck mentioned it. You, there's a whole generation of amazing guitar players now that do videos that last a minute long on Instagram that have probably never even experienced a loud amp that's a real amp with tubes in it and dealing with the feedback because they're so used to modeling and software that they wouldn't be able to control it. Literally, they put the guitar on 10, it's that. and what do I do? Don't know, don't yep. know. Don't have this normally. My computer doesn't make this noise, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's That's that's a bit scary. It's a really different animal. But,
0: yeah. I don't know, man. It's just... Uh, it's, a, it's actually something I'm really looking forward to going down that path of... You know, to investigate. Because I know me and Frank have talked about it when I last saw him out at NAM with the Line 6 stuff, and I've actually... Talk to Billy about it because he's he's a big yeah, he big. He
1: loves helix, He loves Celix.
0: He yeah. Uh, they were sampling a lot of his old. What well, is Pierce? Ra- his uh
1: Pierce gear's in there. His yeah. Pierce preamp in there. Uh, yeah. So I, I was talking to him about it, and he was like, "Yeah, you have got to try this stuff out. It's you know, it's not just the guitar. You know, the bass stuff is really cool. There's lots of bass stuff on it now as well. It's great. every update. There's more bass stuff. There's some That's brilliant. Yeah, I think bass
0: that, sounds in there. That, it's definitely gonna be one of the options I will try but I think it's more I'd like to you know try the idea of sampling my sound and then but then again it's always you know good to maybe sit down and when the time comes to a b and you can always try make your sound so yeah it's going to be fun I'm actually like I so said I'm excited about going down that path and
1: being an old fart and trying to figure out how to use
0: modern equipment.
1: If you're ever stuck with anything, you know, I'm on the, on the end of a messenger. I can help you yeah. out. It? That Chris, how do you do this again? You know, like I'll tell you a, what, the, the best thing for you to do, if you wanted to, if you had any time and you wanted to get into, like, the sounds and the technology, was literally just get the um, trial of native. Because you, really? oh, you, you, get, you get 15 she, days, you get 15 days, and it's yeah. literally Helix in your computer. Oh, OK. It's a plug-in but it's, it's Helix and it's all the same stuff. So if you don't want to just play with it, you've got 15 days without paying for anything, just to have a look how it works and dial some sounds in, I'd say that's the best way to start. Okay, yeah. Because you, cause it's free, <laughs> you know.
0: There we go. And took, Are you able to, like for instance, my, my setup is Cubase, I've used it for
1: donkey's years. Yeah.
0: So, I'm able to use Helix as a VST instrument
1: then, yeah, okay. okay. You just put it as an effect on a channel so you're basically essentially recording your dry signal but you, you put input helix as an insert and uh the, then it comes up and you've literally got the the same helix edit type thing that i use which is all your amps and your pedals and your settings and that and just fiddle with it you know so does it you record wet or dry you can do either you okay can, you, can mon- yeah. you can you can monitor through it so you could you've got your line six um us usb port there you or something but you can monitor monitor it live you don't just jam with it it'll just come through exactly as if you were playing through a modeling software on your on your computer but it's the same sound it literally turns your computer into helix oh i'm gonna have to give that a go then so you might as well just have a look at that and literally just plug in and have a play yeah Yep. Yep.
0: that'd be a place to start look at you should get a kickback from line six (laughs) this is (laughs) this
1: is a non-sponsored video (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, anyway, mate, it's been absolutely fantastic, and I bet you thought I was oh, going to I bet you thought I was going to rinse it, didn't you? But I haven't because I'm very professional, you see. <laughs> yeah, I was.
0: It wasn't. Yeah, that was that wasn't the reason behind it not happening yet. Like me being, <laughs> oh no, it's me tons of shit. But no, it was. Um, yeah, it's always you know been lucky enough to be your friend for as long as I have, and our phone calls have never been. uh never been short (laughs) they're always like this
1: they they carried on when i had to leave as well and i really appreciate that the fact that you know when i was left that to be a carer you still rang me and we still chat for an hour or whatever you know when i was looking after my parents and that you know so you know big thing for it is you
0: know foremost we were friends i mean the relationship we had uh, with laney was something that came about from a friendship it wasn't like you know, I was lucky enough to be endorsed by Laney, and then we became friends. It was the other way around, friends, and then that just happened to come into place. But um, yeah, i will be lucky, uh, lucky enough to work with a lot of artist relations guys over the years. But yeah, I, you know, there's, you're the only one I still talk to apart from us alive. Tony from DR, yourself yeah. and t- Tony, and from DR Strings, he has been my artist guy. In fact, they've just created a new artist department that he's not part of which is devastating because i've literally been in contact with him we've been chatting since like 95 and he's an absolute diamond but yet yeah him and yourself are the only two people i talk to uh the other the other places are um with the way the industry is it's more of a revolving door when it comes to artist relations guys and uh there's something said about having the same guy you're dealing with, you know, and they're a friend is, is, and it, I don't know, it's just that di- it makes it, it's just different, it's a different working environment. Then it's just not work, that's what it is, it's not work. And it's, um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to have that as yourself for God knows how long it was.
1: Well, I was lovely to hear, man, I was lovely to hear,
0: years or so, but yeah, I okay, can mate, I'll let you
1: go because it's probably good lord you know i'm keeping you up late oh, it's all right i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm not now pretty much So well, it's been amazing man i've just got to do my uh, normal thing because people don't tend to they tend to watch stuff and not subscribe so i do i've got to literally tell people that you know i do appreciate every subscription and every like to the videos and, and shares because they do actually make a difference to me because the more likes and shares the more i get noticed upon youtube and i, I do see it from the stats so that would that would be much, much appreciated. That people that are enjoying this and watch the YouTube. So obviously, it's still available. Audio version is on Apple, uh, also on Google and on Spotify and on all, basically all uh, major and minor sort of um, podcast areas. Now you can you can get the audio versions, but it's been, but, awesome. it's been you'd a... normally do music, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, well, that's a bit of a. It was a delay going on the Spotify because. Um, it, it was up on Apple and stuff before that, but even though I go through a company called Anchor, um, that distributes <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's owned by Spotify, right? But it, it you know, it wasn't shown up on Spotify, and then like, I looked into it, oh, well, it's probably because you've got music on your on your show. And I was like, well, yeah, there's an intro and an outro. Well, you write, but I, yeah, and I was like, yeah, but I wrote those. I wrote that music. It's my music. And they just went, Oh, okay then they just assume that you that people just nick music and whack it on there i was like well no it's it's, it's this song it's like like yeah. six, six months old you know So, like God. man yes yeah,
0: and it's weird it's like if you so if you did steal the music not that i'm saying you implying you would but say it was some band that you, you know Alter bridge you took that intro from it's if it's playing on spotify they're what they are going to get a thousandth of a cent even yeah. if they were it so it's like you know the way that spotify yeah, and it's, it's i just i just i just found it me, funny you know it's not like the, the artist is being going to make be a millionaire by that 30 second either end you know it's
1: no, it's no i just thought i just thought it was funny that their default stance on it was literally like that must be uh, that must be copyrighted material well yeah by me yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. oh know.
0: right i purposely went to The two base videos I did, I did the first one I did was Maiden and I did the old, I'm not going to make any money from this, I don't own the rights, you know, the full legal, I went online and looked for the legal jargon to put in. Yeah. When I crossed one, I purposely didn't put that in because I was like, come on, come on. Did they? They didn't didn't do anything, which was quite funny, really. I was waiting for them to, Oh, you know, you can't do this copyrighted music I was like yes yes it is
1: because uh, uh, what what name yeah. does it what name does it say on here ASCAP <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> yeah oh man well, we'll weird, have to, weird. We'll, have, we'll, have, we'll have to do this again sometime off camera man well obviously on camera definitely off but off uh, off yes public you know yeah definitely definitely
0: yes. and uh please say hello to, to Lucy for me and uh yeah we'll be in touch definitely I'll uh, you might, might be cool. Maybe you could do a, if you have a, how many of these you done now? You're on number 12. Oh, I think, I think you need to do something like for the 25th one, do like a live one. I With
1: could the, do
0: that. I could do that. Do yeah. a, the live one where people can chime in and I reckon that, that, that. That'd be fun. That'd be real fun actually. Do like a live one. So everyone can kind of interact. I think that'd be a really cool one.
1: It could turn into a massive piss take session, which would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure we get I'll make sure we get a beer in for that one. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah that would be a cool thing to do. Maybe do a live one just to see. Because I don't know how YouTube works. I think you have to get a certain amount of subscribers before you can do a live event. No, okay, I right?
1: can I can go live. It does give me okay. the option to go live. So yeah, should should be able to do that. That'd be quite fun, I, that would be quite uh, fun actually. That would be.
0: Yeah, we'll have to chew on that one and see. if Not necessarily myself, but I mean, if someone, it'd be well, great you'd to. Be, you'd be perfect. <laughs> Just... Um That was one thing when I was watching the one with you and Chris. It was
1: like I felt like I wanted to interact. It was really.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: what. My... If you're doing a live one, you could kind of chirp in some stuff. We should, but... yeah, we'd get a live chat going and that kind of thing. That would be great as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, I'll, be... think, I'll think about that. I'll think about that. I reckon that'd be cool. I do want to start going live at some point because it's more spontaneous but at the moment with getting used to the you know and trying to get my branding right and this it, it's you know i'm trying to I'm, that's that's literally what i'm doing is doing an edit first before they go out you know but yeah as i get more and more confident yeah why not we'll just do a random live one and be like okay we're going out live tonight let's do it yeah uh, someone come on here that's giving you crap absolute... we're we'll just absolutely we'll just, we'll just do like no olds bard <laughs> for yeah. an hour yeah brutally destroy them publicly. Yeah, it'd be amazing. That's that sounds great to me. Rather than just after we finish recording in a second, what we know what we're gonna do. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Excellent. Right, man. Well it's been bye, it's been epic and I will catch up with you real soon. All right. Thanks Very everyone so. thanks to everyone for watching, subscribing, liking and sharing. It's much appreciated and I'll catch you all later. See you my man. <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Beer and Gear Podcast with Chris Taylor.